If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to look at verses 15 through 20 or 21. While you're turning there, uh, I just uh, want to call your attention, if you can do a couple of things at one time. This, this thing right here, I know that uh, some of you all saw me walking through the hallway with this, and you thought, wow, we're playing a game today. We're really not. This is a knot, K-N-O-T, knot. Uh, it's, uh, it's a knot that I tied into this piece of rope, but I also did something more. I untangled uh, the strands of rope to its uh, almost its smallest level, and I tied even more knots into it. Um, and uh, the reason I did this is because uh, it, this is kind of like our life. Uh, our life can be like a knot. And so often what we do is um, we make choices that tie even more knots into our life. We don't know how to untangle the mess that we've made. Sometimes circumstances doubles the knot and creates a, a, a web of tentacles that create all kinds of trauma and trouble in our life. Life is like a knot. And, uh, and, and if you want to do a wiki or a Google search on Gordian knot, that's kind of a, uh, the axiomatic way of saying, here are some problems and we don't know the solutions to them. It's a Gordian knot. Life is like this Gordian knot that you just can't untangle. And I'm not here to tell you that I can untangle this. I'm not here to let you know that I've got great truth to share with you that will untangle this knot. I'm just a guy, just like, like you are. I, I don't have the solution, but I can point you to the one who does, and that's my job. See, my job is to point you to the guy who is the solution to the Gordian knot. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, we hear the prophet Isaiah looking to this guy who is the solution to our life's problem. His name is Jesus. Isaiah called him the suffering servant. But in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, I want you to hear how Isaiah described Jesus. He said, the, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, this is Jesus. And Jesus came to bring all that to this world. The, the, the spirit of the Lord is resting on Jesus. And so Jesus came with the spirit of wisdom and understanding of counsel and power of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Jesus came to untangle the mess of our life. I don't have the answers to my life's dilemma in myself. And I'm not the wisdom guru to help you understand how to untangle your life's problem. I have people come to me, and, and I appreciate you coming to me and say, how do I handle this situation in my life? How do I resolve this? And, and, and I, I can give you some advice, but when it comes to wisdom, I'm not the guy. I can only point you to the guy. His name is Jesus. So today, what we're doing is we're looking at the unsearchable riches of Christ that unleash wisdom for life. This is what Jesus offers you. This is what Jesus offers me. This is what Jesus offers all who surrender themselves to him and find relationship with him. He offers us wisdom. We've looked at the unsearchable riches of Christ. We began in Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul talks about proclaiming 
the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then, and then we looked in, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, and, and, and we looked at who Jesus is, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him and for him, all things were created in heaven and earth. No matter what they were, he created all things, and, and he is the, 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 the beginning uh, of all things. He's the, uh, he is the uh, uh, firstborn from the dead. He's the head of the church so that in everything, Jesus might have supremacy in your life and in my life. He might have supremacy. He might come first in every way. He comes first in the universe. So he needs to come first in my life as well and in yours. The unsearchable riches of Christ, we, we, we looked and, and we began to spell them out a little bit more in, in Ephesians, uh, Colossians 1.27 where we see that Jesus in us is the hope of glory. And the picture there is that Jesus unleashes hope in our life, that joyful expectation and confident anticipation of God's work of love in our world and in our experiences and in our life. It's, it's this idea that God is moving today. We might not see it. We might not understand it. But God is moving for his glory and for our good. That's how he works with his people. That's hope. Well, today we're looking at the unsearchable riches of wisdom. How that Jesus himself unleashes wisdom for, for our life and for living. And, and, and I don't know about you, but there's a whole world of confusion out there. We are um, uh, we are haunted daily by the gremlin of confusion. This gremlin that, that haunts our minds and our steps and our decisions and our emotions and creates chaos in our, in our being and in our living, in our business and in our family, in our, in our neighborhood, in our communities, in Las Vegas. Come on. We have this, this chaotic confusion that overwhelms us. And it grows rapidly in a dark world. And this gremlin of confusion can, can wrap its icy tentacles around our soul as well. But the good news, here's the good news. That Jesus has come to unleash this wisdom that we need to confront the gremlin of confusion and dismantle his chaos so that we can walk victoriously in this life all the way to heaven. We can't untangle this knot by our own strength, our own wisdom. It's not a mathematical formula that gets us to untangle the mess. It's not by my strength that can overcome the messes that I've made and the circumstances that double the knots. It's only Jesus. Now, I know we're in church, and I, on top of that, we're in a Baptist church. On top of that, we're in First Baptist Church. So I know that you would say, yes, Jesus is the answer for the world today. We would say that. Wisdom is living that. Not just saying it. See, here's the disconnect. For many of us, even us, even us who've been in the church for some time, all, uh, any, uh, even us who, uh, who, have, who have studied Scripture and, 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 and try, to, try to understand all this stuff, it, the, the, the disconnect for us is that we will say a good game, but wisdom is living a good game. Wisdom is living. Jesus is the answer. If Jesus is the answer, we stop looking at other places to find the solutions we look straight to Jesus. Here, here's a good test if you believe Jesus is the answer. 
How quickly do you run to him? How urgently do you draw yourself to him? Now, what the Apostle Paul did in Ephesians chapter 1 is he understood that Jesus is the answer. So as he begins to pray for the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 15, he, he wants to pray specific prayer that they hear so that they understand exactly what he's asking. But, but it's this prayer for wisdom that, that we need to hear for our lives today as well. So Ephesians chapter 1, um, let, let's look verse 15. Paul writes, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus uh, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he prayed, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named in heaven and on earth uh, in this age and that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, which, uh, who fills all in all. All right, so, so what's he saying and, and how, do we, how do we take it from there? All right, so, so what is it that, that, that we need to get hold of so that wisdom gets hold of us. Well, as we look at this passage, Paul's praying um, uh, for us. And this is the prayer that I pray for you, I pray for me, and, and that's first and foremost that, that, that we might be, um, that God might give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation are two terms that, that Paul uses, wisdom being this, this idea of, uh, of, of grasping uh, what God is doing. Revelation is, is the idea of, of beginning to, to, to understand the way God works. But everything about wisdom and understanding, wisdom and revelation, revolves around this one concept, in the full knowledge of God. So here's what Jesus has done for us. This is how he unleashes wisdom in our life. Through Jesus, we grow to know who God is, his will, and how he works in our world. See, it's only through Jesus that we get to know God. You don't get to know God because you are reading a textbook about God. You don't get to know God. See, the term for the full knowledge or the knowledge of him, that, that, we, might, that, 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 that we might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that term for knowledge of God, uh, the regular term for knowledge is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. The term here is epignosis, E-P-I-G-N-O-S-I-S, epignosis. And whenever Paul uses epignosis, he's not talking about ascertaining a certain set of facts. He's not talking about reading a textbook about God and, uh, and, and taking a true or false test. 
He's not talking about studying God the way we would study an historical figure like Napoleon Bonaparte or uh, Abraham Lincoln. When he talks about the knowledge of him, uh, the knowledge of God, he's saying you and I are in relationship with God. The only way we come into a relationship with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus hasn't given us a mathematical formula to untangle the mess of our life. Jesus has given us God himself in fellowship with God, in friendship with God. We have understanding. We have wisdom. And the more we grow to know God, the more we get to see what he wants from us and how we are to live in this world and and, and how he works in this world. The closer we get to know God, the more we get to know his heart and the work of his hands. This is what Jesus has done for us. Look, wisdom is not ascertaining a certain set of facts. It's not planting a bunch of information in your head or even in your heart. Wisdom is not merely memorizing Scripture. Wisdom is allowing Scripture to dictate your life. Wisdom is allowing God's words to shape your emotions. Wisdom is living in concert with who God is. That's why in Proverbs and in other places in the Psalms and the Proverbs, it says that the Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. That means our our awe of him. The reason so many of us lack wisdom, even as followers of Jesus, is because, bottom line, we just don't fear the Lord. Um, Let me be clear what that looks like. When I don't care what God wants, I only care what I feel, I don't fear the Lord. When, when I don't care what God, God's Word says, I only care what my friends think, I don't fear the Lord. When I don't care what our president does, I only care what his result is for me. Help me. I don't fear the Lord. When I don't care what I say, I only care about the opportunity to say it. I'm not fearing the Lord. When I don't care about God or His Word, as much as I care about my feelings, my preferences, my desires, my friends, or my emotions, I'm not fearing the Lord. See how it works? To fear the Lord means that we fear Him above all things. It means that we give ourselves to know Him. And the more we know Him, the more we want to walk in His steps. And the reason we have a tangled mess is because even as followers of Christ, we hear what He says, we just don't care what he says. I may not be preaching at you, but I'm certainly preaching at me. I mean, this is my life. This is my struggle. 
I know that I act a fool because so often I ignore who God is, what His will is, and how He operates in our world. I ignore it for the sake of what I want, what I desire, what, I, what my emotions say, or even what my friends are doing. Are you acting a fool? There's no way to get out of the knot. What wisdom does is it gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the full knowledge of God. To know God. That's the key. By the way, um, uh, when, when, um, when, when we are taking math classes, I'm going to use this. Uh, math is really my, you, you know math is my nemesis. I, I don't know if you knew that. I just, I'm, I didn't understand it, couldn't comprehend it, but I made it through. Uh, but math, math was always my nemesis. And so uh, it, in math class, if I didn't understand something, I would always ask somebody who did understand. Right? Does that make sense? And here's the dilemma is I don't understand life and you don't understand life, but you're asking me and it's the blind leading the blind. And that's why God offers Jesus. He, he didn't want to offer us some blind guide to lead us through the maze of this misery uh, and the maze of life. He, he wanted to offer us the one upon whom the Spirit of the Lord rested, the one who is God himself, the firstborn over all creation. He wanted to offer us the one who had the spirit of wisdom and understanding, uh, it, it, the, the one who had the, the spirit of counsel and might, the one who lived in the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He gives us Jesus so that we can walk hand in hand with Jesus. And Jesus is the one who piece by piece, moment by moment, circumstance by circumstance, relationship by relationship will untangle the mess. Wisdom is growing in knowing God as we surrender to His will, as we trust His work. Well, Paul goes on. He says, he says that the, uh, pray, that, uh, pray that, uh, that, that, you, that God might give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the full knowledge of Him, uh, your eyes being enlightened, that you might know, and then there are three phrases, what is the hope of his calling? What are the glories of glorious riches of his inheritance? And what is the exceeding, exceedingly great power of his might at work in us? As we look at those three phrases and we look what Paul's saying, quickly, let me just tell you. Wisdom is something Jesus gives us because Jesus gives us relationship with God. But as we gain relationship with God, as we grow in the full knowledge of, of God, our eyes are opened to ourselves and to our circumstance, to our world, so that through Jesus we grow to know who we are and how we are to live in this world. See, wisdom isn't just knowing who God is, but through wisdom we get to know who we are. In relationship to Him. We get to know who we are and what God expects from us in this world. Today, my question is, are you growing in knowing who you are? And I'm not talking about some self-help journey where you begin to ascertain your, 
your, your, your um, whatever you're supposed to ascertain in that self-help journey. I, I don't even know. Um, I'm talking about do you know who you are in light of who God is? When Paul prayed these three specific phrases, I, Paul said, I want your eyes to be open to see the hope of his calling. What do you mean by that? Well, we talked about hope last week, and, 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 and hope is this, this clear understanding, this, 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 uh, this joyful anticipation and confident expectation that God is working for his glory and my good in the world, in my life. That, that's hope, and, and, and it's not just a well-wishing. It's not just, I, I think it may happen. It is a, a certainty as certain as waiting on the sunrise. That's how God is working in my life today, for his glory and my good. As, as Paul talks about hope here, he's, he's, he's talking about this, this, this walking in wisdom that sees my present and my future wrapped in the blessings of God's grace and mercy. Now, I think about that. Do you see your present and your future wrapped in the blessings of God's grace and mercy. If you're a follower of Jesus, you already know your past has been wrapped in his grace. You've already come into a friendship with God because Jesus has forgiven your sin and brought you into that relationship. Your past has been forgiven forever by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. You know your past has been covered in God's grace and mercy. But today, do you know, are you living with this clear understanding? Are you living in the hope that your present and your future are wrapped up in the blessings of God's grace and mercy? It changes your perspective on your day. It changes your perspective on our right now. It changes your perspective on what you need to do for your tomorrow. You begin to understand that God is working for his glory and our good. He is operating. And everything that I face, every Gordian knot that comes my way, I can trust it into God's hands because he's already surrounded it with his grace and his mercy. Do you see your life blanketed? God's grace and mercy. I know life is hard. Goodness, I, I live life just like you live life. And there's some tough days, right? I mean, some hard times. I don't know what to do about some of it. That's okay. Wisdom isn't me having all the answers. It's knowing the one who does and trusting my future and my present into his hand to be covered by his grace and mercy. That's the hope part. What is the calling part? The calling part is the expectation God has on us. So often we talk about our Christian experience just like that, our Christian experience, as if it's all about me. You know what I'm talking about? That, that, that's certainly a byproduct of being a follower of Jesus, that we experience the riches of his grace and mercy, but I want you to look at the language that Paul uses, the hope of his calling. That his there belongs to God. 
God has put ownership on your life and mine. Do you realize this? If you're a follower of Jesus, God has expectations of you and me. Did you realize this? I think that the reason, the reason so many of us act a fool in this life is because we fail to understand that God's saving us from sin's uh, embrace and hell's pit was not just so I could experience happy, happy, happy whenever I wanted to be happy, happy, happy. The reason God rescued me from sin's pit and, and, and uh, from hell's pit and sin's embrace was so that I might live for him. Are you living for him? See, here's why I think we feel out of sync sometimes. We feel so uh, consumed with confusion sometimes because we're living out of sync with God's calling on our life. We're tangled up because all we can think about is what we want. And we would get a little bit untangled if we begin to focus on God's calling on our life. This is his calling on me. And what is his calling for us? Well, you have to go up a few verses, but even in Ephesians 1, Paul said, here's here's the aim that you and I would live to the praise of his glory. Say it in less fancy terms. We live to make God smile. Boom. Not make me smile. Not make you smile. Make God smile. Are you living for his honor? I know I act a fool when I start living for my own fame rather than God's. What about you? I know I act a fool when I start living according to the expectations that I have for myself rather than the expectations that God has for me. What about you? How do we live to the praise of his glory? Can I just tell you, and, and I know Bill uh, Eckert and, and Dean Dunn are going to be a little bit embarrassed by that, but it fits too well in the sermon. Uh, they were at uh, the Gideon's uh, Bible something-something uh, uh, in Richmond. And Gideon's uh, organization that we partner with, many of our uh, churchmen are Gideons, and, and uh, Gideons are the ones that hand out Bibles, you know. And uh, they were at a, a Bible expo uh, in Richmond, and at their booth, uh, they talked to people about Jesus. And 16 people came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Why are we not talking about God's goodness and grace to those who are far from him? See, I've got to tell you. I really believe in my own life, if I would stop spending so much time talking about me and start spending more of my time talking about Jesus to those who are around me, then I'd find a lot more wisdom in my life because I'm living in sync to my calling. I want to make God smile, and I know when I tell others how that they who are lost can be found by Jesus, I know that I am 
making God smile. I want to live for God's pleasure. I want to live in the fear of the Lord. I want to meet his expectations, his desires on me. And when I tell someone who is, who is wandering around aimlessly in the dark how that Jesus is the light of their world, who died on the cross for their sin, was raised from the dead to give them new life, if they repent their sin and place their faith in him, everything will change if I'll just have that conversation. My life feels a little more in sync. Oh, how our church will change. Oh, how our lives would change if we gave ourselves to fulfill His calling rather than merely our ambitions. When we live in sync with his calling. We are walking in wisdom. And, and I wonder what would change about our church. And, and I wonder what would change about the seven cities of Hampton Roads if, if in 2018, we as a church committed to have 10,000 of those conversations with people who are far from God. What would happen? How would our church be different? How would you be different? How would I be different? How would our community be different? How would Hampton Roads be different if we shared the wondrous good news of God's rescuing grace and love with 10,000 different people? They're out there. The conversations are waiting to be had. Isn't it about time you and I start walking in wisdom and talking to people about Jesus? Through Jesus, we grow to know who we are. And how we live in this world. Time is gone, but let me just kind of wrap up with the final two phrases. Not only do we do, do our eyes being enlightened to, to what is the hope of his calling, but, uh, but also that, that, uh, uh, that, that we might begin to comprehend the, the, the riches, the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints. What is that talking about? Wisdom says that I am intrinsically valuable to God. I am his inheritance. He values me. Do you know that God treasures you? Can I just tell you? He treasures you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a walking, talking, living, breathing trophy of his grace. He places a limitless value on you. And maybe wisdom, instead of trying to gain our approval and our acceptance and our worth from what we do or what others might say, wisdom says, I'm already valuable to the king of creation. That's wisdom. It's brought to us through Jesus. The last phrase, what is the exceeding greatness of his power at work in us? This same power that raised Jesus from the dead. What does that mean? means that wisdom stops looking at things in front of us as insurmountable obstacles and sees things in front of us as opportunities for God's glory to shine brighter. It means that we live not by our frailty, not by our feebleness, but we live by God's power. We stop saying that it's too big. That the problem's too great, the knot is too tight, and we start 
living according to this wondrous power that raised Jesus from the dead. Wisdom is living according to the power that conquered death, hell, and the grave. Will you live according to that power? It all begins in friendship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And really, you want to know the beginning steps to wisdom? It's to draw near to Jesus. See, this sermon isn't going to do it for you. This sermon doesn't give you the wisdom you need. But what you do with the message from God's Word, if you take this message and you draw near to Christ, you cry out to Him and you stretch out your heart and your hands toward Him, the good news is that Jesus will draw you close to Himself. And you won't be walking through the darkness alone. You won't be walking through the maze of difficulty by yourself. You'll be walking hand in hand with Jesus. Life is like a Gordian knot. But Jesus unties the knot. Let's bow our heads, please. Lord God, in these moments as we've gathered in your name, help for us simply to draw close to you. To draw close to you so that you might draw us closer to yourself. May our hearts stretch toward you, Lord Jesus. You are our wisdom. Not the things that we know or think we know, not the textbooks that we've read, not the, uh, not the passages we've memorized, but you, Lord Jesus, you are our wisdom. So in this moment, as we've gathered here today, I pray that each of us would draw toward you. That we look toward you, Jesus. That we would ask help from you. That we would cry out to you. That we would ask for wisdom. In particular circumstances and situations. And the good news is that you love to show us the way as you draw us to yourself. So now be glorified as we respond to you in worship. Make yourself known to us in this place as you already have. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.